For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show. Kyle, it's Tier Maker Thursday here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's going on, dude? I'm just fired up that I came up with a show concept that we're actually going to use now. Yeah, it's uh, nice, nice, nice to have one, right? Yeah, get get to hang my hat on something every week. You've been uh, almost 52 episodes of takes on takes for you, so. I had some catching up to do. I had to get a couple of show concepts together. And uh, we used Tear Makers last, on, uh, last week for, was it last week or the week before? I think it was like uh, Friday. Was it Friday of last week? Yeah, for 2020 uh, quarterback prospects. Yep. But now we're advancing. We're in the pros, Joe. But we're not talking quarterbacks. We're talking ranking all 32 starting running backs going into 2019. Or at least at this point, perceived starting running backs in 2019. But running backs don't matter, Kyle. It's true. They don't. There's only 32 of them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do we got? We got – do you have the same uh, tiers as I do? Okay. So to confirm, from the bottom up, we have the not-for-me tier. Yes. Jury jury still out tier. Yep. The good tier, the great tier, and the elite tier. That's what I have. Okay. Perfect. Well, in that case, Yes. Uh, I believe we're ready to dig in. Uh, what tier do you have the most in? I have the most in good. <laughs> I also By have far. the most in good. I got 10 names in good. I'm counting mine. 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Half, Jeez. Half the league. They're just good. Good How? Well, we'll All get right. Yeah. Yes. So here's how we're going to break this down. Instead of throwing the tears at you and forcing you, the listeners, to try and process like 15 names at the same freaking time, Joe, we're going to go team by team, announce who that player is, and then we're going to say how we feel about that player. And Joe, uh, very fittingly, we are going to start with your Buffalo Bills in the AFC East with the starting running back being LaShawn McCoy. 
This is uh, this is the one that I thought would be the most controversial of all the ones that I did. And uh, we're starting here, huh? Yep, um, you're okay. on the clock. All right. I have LaShawn McCoy in the jury still out category. How? How? How, Joe? How could you have a running back that is 31 years old in the jury still out category? That's because up until last year, nobody was questioning whether or not Shady McCoy was still a good NFL starting running back. And he had his own set of injuries last year. The Bills offense was a disaster for the first nine weeks of the season. The offensive line lost Eric Wood, Richie Incognito, Cordy Glenn did nothing to replace those guys. The receivers were trash. And you had a rookie quarterback in Josh Allen that teams were daring to throw the football. I don't know if 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 LaShawn McCoy is no longer at least a good NFL running back, but we're going to find out this year. So I'm saying jury's still out. That doesn't make the jury still out. It just means he's not for me. He's a thirty. He's a thirty-one-year-old running. He will be a thirty-one-year-old running back in July, with over twenty-three hundred rushes in the NFL and eighty-four career touchdowns. The jury's not out. He's a good player, but he's over that mythical age of thirty for running backs. And because of that, I'm assessing these players, looking at okay, what are they right now? What was last year's body of work, and what can we expect going forward? And because of that blend of criteria, LaShawn McCoy is not for me. Which is a perfectly fine place to slot him, Kyle. I would get it. If you were putting these all in a pool, I would not pick. I mean, he would be very far down my list. But for the sake of this exercise, I think it's fair to say we've seen some running backs kind of continue to produce into the 30s. Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, two guys that are still continuing to produce. And I know LaShawn McCoy is a very prideful human being that wants to get that 12,000 yards rushing for his career, I'm not going to say he's washed until he proves it. And I think there were enough circumstances last year that makes me say, all right, well, let's find out in 2020. The Bills have been unrelenting in their commitment to LaShawn McCoy. If he couldn't play, they would they would have got rid of him. I think that's fair. But I think the jury was in. Sure. And now you're saying the jury's gone back out. But the tier says jury's still out. Okay, no, we're not we're not getting into semantics here. We gotta keep the line no, moving. No, we, that'll probably be the longest discussion we have. The Miami At- Dolphins. Who are running they? back Kenyon Drake? Joe, what tier does Drake fall in for you? Kenyon Drake falls in the good tier for me. I don't think he's a, a especially dynamic football player that I get nervous about playing against, but he's a very solid in terms of how his receiving production has continued for the last couple of seasons in a shared backfield. And he's been a, a sound runner, never really been the focal point of the offense. But when he gets the ball, he's productive. And I think he's a good player. So to me, he's not overly dynamic to be higher than good, but he's at least a good running back in the NFL. Okay, we got the same thought process. I, I have him in the jury still out just because he was in Adam Gase's doghouse in all of 2018, and they really refused to to let him get touches and they had problems with pass protection with him. And then before that, it was, well, we have problems with Jay Ajayi and Kenyon Drake's like teacher's pet because Jay Ajayi's not studying the playbook and doesn't know his responsibilities. And then they get rid of Ajayi and now all of a sudden Kenyon Drake doesn't know his responsibilities. So uh, I, I'm hoping with there will be some clarity with a new coaching staff in Miami. But for me right now, as you said, the physical diffs are, gifts are quite prominent, productive in the receiving game, has the skills to be a three down back, but the jury's still out because – his career high in rushing yards for a season is a 644. He's never had more than 133 carries in a year. So let's figure out what he is and get him the ball. Yep. 
New England Patriots, Sony Michelle. I've got him in the good tier, Kyle. Um, you know, he really didn't have a full opportunity to get acclimated to the offense, dealing with the knee stuff going throughout the entire course of really camp and preseason. He wound up playing 13 games, starting eight, almost had a thousand yards. And you just know he's a nuanced football player. I think he'll be as solid as they come. And, uh, you know, kind of like Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin's a really great running back. He's a Hall of Famer, one of the most productive backs in the NFL. But did you ever think about Curtis Martin and say, wow, there's something crazy physically amazing about this player? No, he's just as consistent and as nuanced a runner as you'll find. I think you get that in Sony Michelle, and he'll be known as a really good running back for a long time. I don't think he'll ever be one of the feared players in the NFL at the position, though. Yeah, had uh, 336 rushing yards in three postseason games. So that was the big breakout was the end of the year. He's also in the good tier for me, Joe. I have no complaints uh, with your slotting, your thought process. Uh, Very good player. Is he a great player? Not yet. I think he can ascend with consistency to be a great player, but I don't know if he'll ever be an elite player. New York Jets, Le'Veon Bell. I've got Le'Veon Bell in the great category. And I think we all know what he's capable of. He had a hell of a run with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's my question, and I think we're going to learn that this year, is – In Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell had a top five offensive line every single year. He has nothing close to that with the New York Jets. And we know stylistically Le'Veon Bell is a guy that loves to be patient, allow blocks to take form, and really work off of them. I'm not sure that same style is going to be as easy for him to just adopt in New York given the lack of talent around him, specifically on the offensive line. So I'm anxious to see if he can can, replicate the production he had in Pittsburgh, but – I, I'm not putting him in the elite tier until I see that he can do it behind the Jets' offensive line. Do you remember we had this conversation before free agency started? We were talking about the Jets and if they were going to choose to invest in Le'Veon Bell. And we talked about that you got all this cash, right? So if yeah. you're going to make the play for Le'Veon, you almost have to spend on the offensive line and bring in the talent. Now, they traded for uh, KO yeah. and brought in a really talented guard but they really didn't address offensive tackle at all aside of drafting Chuma Adogo, which surprised me because I agree with you. He's a great football player. His patience is elite. His ability to catch the the football is elite. He's not an elite physical talent, so he's only a great player for me. He's not in the elite tier, but I do anticipate you're going to have some growing pains there in New York with his usage. Let me say this back to the uh, the discussion about Le'Veon Bell, because if I recall correctly, my exact feeling towards the idea of the Jets going after Le'Veon Bell, I think I said this. I said the most important thing the Jets can do this offseason is get Le'Veon Bell, because I thought from a receiving standpoint, he would do so much for Sam Darnold. And that, that in and of itself, in addition to their very favorable cap position, makes that signing logical to me. But I want to see if he can be the same runner he was in Pittsburgh. I know he'll be a great receiver. Baltimore Ravens, Mark Ingram. It's weird. That feels weird to say. Yeah, yeah, it it does. Um, I think he's a good running back. I think he's really solid. Um, A lot of the things, you know, like we'll see how he does in Baltimore, where New Orleans had one of the better offensive lines in football over the last few years. And that's really where – Ingram peaked over the last few years. He was kind of average prior to 2016. And, you know, I, I think that he's he's best in a complimentary role like he was with Alvin Kamara there towards the end of his run in New Orleans. But I don't know that 
I don't, you know, I don't know if you play the Baltimore Ravens and say, wow, we're playing Mark Ingram and I'm really worried about it. I think he's a good back, not a great one. Yeah, pretty consistent, reliable, um, getting north and south. He's going to churn out tough yards. I didn't realize he had 1,500 yards from scrimmage in 2017. Yeah, he, that's, a, that's a big number. <laughs> he had 58 yeah. catches that year. Yep. So you don't, you don't want to put him in a box, but again, I'm, uh, assessing running backs for me really comes down to you know, when you have the opportunity to put him in one-on-one situations, how confident are you in that guy's going to be able to, to make a guy miss? How many different ways can he make a guy miss? And then what is his instincts as a ball carrier? That includes at the mesh point, in the backfield, in the open field. Ingram's good. He's not great. He's, he's not somebody I would pound the table for. Definitely lands in my good tier. Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon. I have Joe Mixon in the great tier. Um, I think you saw – I mean, I, I still want him to be more involved, right? Like that's still something that I'm hungry for. But you just know when he gets the football that he's a problem to, to, to tackle and bring down and, and slow down. And he's multifaceted. He catches the football extremely well. And he's been a very successful runner despite not really having a very stable offensive line. And you still – you saw Cincinnati kind of continue to spin the wheels on trying to get that thing fixed here this offseason. So – uh, on a team where he's really the guy that you need to laser in on and, and stop, he still finds ways to be productive. And I thought we saw what he could really do last year, and he didn't even play all 16 games. I think he's primed to be you know, very productive back for a long time. Fantasy football players, go ahead and put a star next to Joe Mixon's name. It's a guy you want. I think he'll get more involved in the passing game as well, Joe. Uh, agree with you. He is a great back with the potential down the road. I think he has the physical tools – to potentially be an elite back with how versatile he is at 220 pounds. But for now, he's great. And, and is Zach Taylor there now too? You know, that's yeah. going to be interesting to see if if how his role evolves. And I was in – was it Duke Tobin, I think, was the guy they had uh, as their rep at the Combine. He raved about Joe Mixon and, and how he was the focal point of the offense on an offense that includes A.J. Green. So this is the future in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon, in a lot of ways. Cleveland Browns' Nick Chubb. Uh, I have him in the good tier. I want to put him in the great tier. I just think I need to see a little bit more out of him to to believe that he he belongs there. But uh, you know, I'm interested to see his usage because they have other really good backs in Cleveland, and you know, it, I, I think he deserves to be the focal point of the rushing attack. And he was a big play threat despite being you know a, a guy that's kind of pegged as a power back. But don't think he can't boogie and scoot and rip off some long chunks, man. Uh, Nick Nick Chubb had a good rookie year. I think he's primed to get into that great tier by the end of next season. Boogie and scoot, he said. Yep. Just enjoyed that visual. Yes, Nick Chubb, not yet ready to put him in the great tier. I assessed him coming out of Georgia as a great prospect. He's a good pro running back. Again, consistency. That seems to be the themes with with guys like him and Sony Michelle. It's produce at a high level, produce at a high level for a full season, multiple seasons, and then let's let's talk about if you're a great back. Joe, this is the last one I'm going to let you get the first word in on for the AFC. Okay. I'll still introduce the teams, but I'm going to get my opinions out here first because it's boring sitting here letting you take my tears for all these players so far. Yeah. Not a lot of dissent yet. Pittsburgh Steelers and James Conner. I have James Conner in the good tier. Mm. Uh, you're mad about that. I have been the good tier. You keep taking my tears. Well, I mean, he's he really picked up 
seamlessly this this rushing attack with Le'Veon Bell not in the mix last year. He had an injury that kind of cost him some time, but 12 rushing touchdowns in 13 games, almost 1,000 yards. And, I mean, he, he looked like a pain in the ass to tackle. And so, you know, I don't know if he has the physical traits to be a great back, but for what they want to do for that type of offense, that style of power running, you know, James Conner really fits the, fits the bill there. So I think he's a really good back. If Connor would have sustained his production across a full season, I would have really thought hard about maybe putting him up because you know the situation in Pittsburgh is going to lend itself to to friendly production because the passing offense there with Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster, but he's a good back for me. Do you know how many touchdowns James Connor scored in the first eight weeks of the season last year? I don't. Ten. You know how many touchdowns he scored in the last eight weeks of the season? Two or three. Three. Yeah. Didn't have a single 100-yard rushing game after week eight. Had 500-yard rushing games in the first eight weeks of the season. And this is the stuff, like, you know, Eddie George, the Titans just announced that they're going to retire his number, and so it prompted me to go look at his career. And Eddie George literally started – 16 games for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years in a row. That's and crazy. never had less than 312 rushes in any one of those seasons. That's crazy. I got I just got chills saying that. Like that's the stuff, and, and maybe we have to shift our expectations for running backs, but that type of stuff is special, man. And before I start putting guys in these top tiers. You got to at least get me halfway to what Eddie George did. You know, (laughs) this guy got drafted out of Ohio State and just friggin' was a horse from 96 to 2003. As consistent as they come, and I love that about him. Okay. Houston Texans, AFC South. Their starting running back projected for this year is Lamar Miller. And Joe, Lamar Miller is not for me. Uh, Lamar is 28 years old. He turned 28 in April. And no, I want to give him credit because he's been pretty consistent as far as his production yards from scrimmage. He has five straight years over uh, 1,100 yards from scrimmage. But if I put him in the lexicon of like backs across the NFL, he's just not a player that that really moves the needle for me. He's never been a huge piece of the receiving game. His his peak was in 2015 with the Dolphins. He had 47 receptions, but uh, he's only had 2,000 yard rushing seasons in his NFL career. Uh, He's 220 pounds. He's quick, but he's not overly nimble. He just doesn't move the needle for me at this point. And he's getting a little older now. I have him in that same category, Kyle, not for me. And a lot of what I think about when I tiered these players was the way I felt if I had to play against them. And Lamar Miller, to his credit, he's been a starting running back in the NFL since 2013. He's having a nice career. But is there anything special about him? Is there anything dynamic? Is there anything that when you play against the Houston Texans or you play against Lamar Miller that you're like, wow, I'm really worried about how we're going to have to slow that guy down? I don't think you get there with him. Yeah. And I'm not sure he has any trait that makes you really just kind of like like that he can just be his trump card that he hangs his hat on. So for me, yeah, it's just like he doesn't do much for me. He doesn't move the needle. So not for me was the right place to put him for me. Okay. Indianapolis Colts. Marlon Mack, 
starting running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Had a nice year last year, Joe. Almost got 1,000 yards. He had a big breakout, uh, increased his yards per rush by almost a full yard from 3.8 to 4.7. Jury's still out. I need another year. I need to see, you know, as they're expecting him. I believe Naeem Hines is there too, right? Yeah, and Jordan Wilkins. I mean, Naheem yeah, Hines so, caught like seventy something passes last yeah, year. Yeah, so it's not it's not like Marlon Mack's really going to get a ton more in the workload volume than the uh, two hundred and twelve touches that he got last year. He had one hundred ninety five carries and caught seventeen balls, and you know, with Naeem Hines and, and and Jordan Wilkins, like he's not going to get a lot of opportunities to catch the football, and that's fine. He has to be the explosive chunk play guy, and I need to see. Will the real Marlon Mack please stand up? Because you get the 2017 version who was frustrating with his vision, just like he was at USF. And then you had the improved version this year. Not all progressions linear, though. I need to see more. Yeah, it's the right spot for him, Kyle. Um, you, I, you think about him in 12 games, 908 yards and nine touchdowns is really good production in terms of his rushing output. But I think he's always going to be a guy that really – his value is going to come in a situation exactly like in Indianapolis with other mm-hmm. niche backs where he can, you know, he might be the, the guy that gets the most touches, but are you ever going to be like, okay, this is a super valuable player to our offense that is critical to everything we do. I think the Colts, I don't think he brings that type of value to them. So jury's still out. And I think he could probably be a good back. I just don't know that he'll ever be a guy that really claims a, a lead role and demands touches. Jacksonville Jaguars, Leonard Fournette, Joe, this take might be a little spicy. I bet you we got him in the same place. He's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I've seen enough to know, like, he battled bumps and bruises at LSU. Now he's battled bumps and bruises in Jacksonville. He's a very linear runner, and he's at a perfect kind of scheme fit in Jacksonville. But, Joe, the offense looks better without him. Yep. The offense, they, they opened things up more, and this was a player that you took at the fourth overall pick. And listen, I like Leonard Fournette. I think I had Leonard Fournette between 18 and 24 on my big board the year that he came out. So it's not even to say that I, I disliked Leonard Fournette, but he makes you pretty one-dimensional, and he's in a perfect scheme fit, and he's averaging 3.7 yards per carry with over 400 touches. 400 rushes, I'm sorry. So the production's not there despite the attractive scheme fit. There's distractions off the field. There's been battles with bumps and bruises. He's just not for me at this point. Yeah, I've got him as not for me as well, Kyle. Um, The thing about Leonard Fournette, he constipates the Jaguars' offense. He does. I love love that phrasing. Yeah, well, it made sense when somebody said it about Calvin Benjamin in Carolina, that he constipated that offense, and then I lived that in Buffalo – and I get the same vibe for Leonard Fournette. It's like you kind of get what he can be, what he can do, but at the same time, he's limiting. He limits your what you can do, and I, he's not for me. I don't want to be able to say that about my lead back, especially with you know what his salary demands are as a as a high pick on a rookie deal. So uh, I I I'd pass all day long on Leonard Fournette. Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry. This was a crazy stat for me, Joe. Henry made it to a thousand yards for the first time in his career last year. But I just roughly did the math in my head and I'm pretty sure he got 
half of his yardage in the final four games of the season last year. <laughs> 238 against the Jaguars, 170 against the Giants, 84 against the Redskins, and 93 against the Colts. Those aren't if bad defenses. No. And he did a nice job. And that's the thing for me. I think he's a good back, but he's he's kind of in the same boat as Kenyon Drake. I think he's he's a little more accomplished. I think he's uh, a, a more impressive mismatch when you consider his size and movement skills for his size makes him a, a, a pretty imposing back in one-on-one situations. But, I mean, they just don't give this guy the ball. And then Tennessee finally decided down the stretch after uh, giving him two games of 18 carries in the first three, and then he had like five games of single-digit carries throughout the meat of the season. They get to the final four games of the season, and they give him 17 carries, 33 carries, 21 carries, and 16 carries. And magically, you get production on the field, and he rushes for seven touchdowns and 500 yards. I think he's good but I was fringe with him between good and jury still out, to be honest with you. Yeah, I have him in good, and I don't want to kind of repeat what you said there, but I think this is – if I'm going to have a back like this, then it needs to be Derrick Henry and not Leonard Fournette. Yeah. So that's how a back like this can work in the NFL, and I just think that they're – Leonard Fournette's not Derrick Henry, and he was taken around later. Oh, and Henry even, I think, shines in the zone concepts. I mean, Fournette is straight gap power. And that's true, and that's something about Tennessee that's interesting is they've they've shuffled run game styles all over the last three years since Henry's been there, and he's never had a chance to be familiar. And I think that's kind of what's – they've got really good pieces on their offensive line, but they've been up and down, and I think it's because of those stylistic changes and then never really able to gel in terms of what their identity is, and I think that's a good point. He's more versatile than, than Leonard Fournette. Yep. Okay, Denver Broncos, Phillip Lindsay. For me – Jury's still out. He had a great year. UDFA came in, rushed for over a thousand yards, and he ran tough too, Joe. I mean, this this I mean, he's 190. Yeah. But he he ran with some leverage and he was really impressive with how tough he ran. Uh did undergo off-season uh surgery on his right wrist. So that is something to monitor a little bit. And that's the concern for me in the long term for him is you know the durability at that size at that workload, having 227 touches from scrimmage last year, uh, things to monitor jury still out, but a very, very good first year for Philip Lindsay. Yeah. I've got him in the same category, Kyle jury still out for the same reasons that you said. In addition to this is a guy who turns 25 on July 24th. So like, even though he was a rookie and stuff, like he's an older guy. So I just don't know what his ceiling is, and he may have already peaked. And if, and if what he was last year is what he's going to continue to be, well, that's a really good player, but I'm not sure what type of, you know, how much life he has in his legs. So um, I have my my questions, and so he's jury still out for me. Yep. Kansas City Chiefs, Damian Williams. Um, dude's not for me, at least not as a featured back. Uh, I appreciated what he was able to do averaging 3.6 yards per carry in four seasons for the Dolphins. So I got to see him up close and personal. (laughs) And then he goes to Kansas City, and he averages 5.1 yards per carry and has a career high in yards from scrimmage, despite the fact that he started like six games. Um, I think the production that you saw there is ammunition for the folks that say running backs don't matter. Because you could take a vast majority of backup and third-string running backs in the NFL and put them in the Chiefs' offense with the way that they space the field 
and they'd produce. They produce just fine. Uh, Damian Williams doesn't, you know, borrowing from you. How how do we stop this guy? Oh my goodness. Well, uh, he he doesn't have any prominent traits. The the pressure of stopping the running game for Kansas City really stems from their spacing of the field and how they like to to stretch you out. So there's nothing special for me about Damian Williams. So he's just a guy that you know I could take him or leave him. He's not really for me. Yeah, and I have him in jury still out because he did so show some flashes with Kansas City, but this is also a player that's been in the league since 2014. We've got five seasons with him. And, you know, like even though he had a bigger role with Kansas City last year, it's not that exciting. He had 416 total yards from scrimmage in 16 games. Like, what? I don't know what there's to get excited about yet other than he simply plays for the Chiefs offense and he's going to get touches. But, like, I think that he's a replacement-level player. And if he was going to turn into a dynamic back, I think we'd have saw it sooner than – 2019 and his sixth year in the NFL. Yeah. I think replacement level is a great phrasing for him. Okay. This one's going to be interesting, Joe. All right. We have Melvin Gordon with the LA chargers. Yeah. For me, for me, Melvin Gordon is a good running back at the NFL. I didn't put him in the great tier. I understand he gets a ton of production by volume. He had 342 touches in 2017, which was, by all accounts, his big breakout year. I know he finished just short of 1,000 yards, but had 10 touchdowns in 13 games in 2016. 2017, 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns, and then at 14 touchdowns in 2018. Kind of, I wasn't in love with him coming out, and I feel like maybe that's why I still have some apprehension to call him a great back. I know he... He only played 12 games last year, so I do want to give him credit there. But if you're a great back, I think you have to have elite levels of production, and I think you you have to have that for an extended period. And each one of the guys, with the exception of one guy in my elite or great category, has been able to accomplish that. So Melvin Gordon, for me, is good, not great. You ready to fight about this one? No. Do you remember when I told you that I pulled somebody out of the elite tier? You pulled Melvin Gordon out of the elite tier? Yeah, I put him in the great tier. Wow. Yeah, this is a good football player, Kyle. Um, yeah, he is, you're right. He's a good football player. I but, agree with what you just said there. <laughs> He's a good football player. Calm down over there, Kyle. Um, here's the deal. Here's the deal with Melvin Gordon. Last year, if I and, and I, the, the reason I pulled him out of the elite tier is because I thought he took his game to the next level in 2018. And if he continues to be 2018 Melvin Gordon for a couple of seasons, he will be in that elite tier for me. Now, this is what keeps this is why he's in the great tier and not the good tier for me. If you think about a back that does the most with the least, I think it's Melvin Gordon because I don't know that you can look at the Chargers offensive line. If you look at the Chargers offensive line, it's not a great unit. And Melvin Gordon, even especially last year, and Melvin Gordon was able to be as productive as he was despite not necessarily having the greatest blocking in front of him. I think that, again, if he continues 2018 version of, of Melvin Gordon, he's going to be in that elite tier for me. I think he's a great player. Well, my producer's pulling something up here. All right.
super consistent receiver too, which was he's one of those guys. Didn't he catch like five passes in his entire career in college? Yeah, he was not used at all. <laughs> Dude raked up 182 receptions in four seasons so far in the NFL. One, two, three, four, five. Five of his career rushing yards were. He's got a lot of short, short rushing touchdowns, Joe. Melvin? Yeah. I didn't mention his rushing touchdowns. I know. I'm just talking about his because the the allure of Melvin Gordon is the scoring production, right? Oh, you can't look at the rushing production and. I guess I'm guessing that's from a fantasy perspective, but. Yeah, he's got 28 touchdowns rushing in the last three years. He's got a total of 38 touchdowns in the last three years. But a lot of that is. I don't call them layups because there's no layups, right? And you mentioned the bad offensive line. But I just think with the the run-pass balance that the Chargers have and the usage of Melvin, like he's getting the ball inside the five, so he's going to get his volume in, in, in touchdowns that way. So that was an area for me that, you know, thinking about his actual rushing production, this was the first year he averaged over four yards a carry, Joe. I'll give you a statistic. Last year, Melvin Gordon – Averaged 0.23 missed tackles per carry, which was the second highest rate for running backs in the NFL. It's impressive stat. Now do it again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why he's not in the elite category and he's in the great category. That's why he's in the good category. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Oakland Raiders, Josh Jacobs. For me, jury's still out. We know nothing about him, so I can't can't score him anything other than jury's still out. Yeah, same here. Uh, We'll see how it translates, especially for – look, you guys know how much I love Josh Jacobs, but – at the end of the day, RB3 for Alabama, right? So he's he's got a big jump in terms of what's on his plate, and he's doing so at the NFL level on John Gruden's offense. So uh, anxious to see it. I think he's got great traits. But, yeah, there's he's a rookie. He's jury st- still out for sure. Okay, Joe, uh, we have a moral conflict here. Yeah, let's do the N- A- NFC tomorrow. Yes. Okay. We've gone 33 minutes and done the AFC tier maker for starting running backs. We said before we went on the air, I said, Joe, our only challenge is going to be keeping this short. (laughs) He said, well, that's on us. And we made it through 16 in 33 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and wrap today's show, let you guys process our reactions to the AFC starting running backs and the tiers we placed them in. And then tomorrow we will circle back and we will let you guys know where we put the NFC backs. No elite backs from either one of us so far. I have a feeling that will change tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Come back, hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes podcast. Find out where we have your backs if you're fans of NFC teams. If you're really angry with where we have your AFC team back slotted, go ahead and at Tampa Bay Trey and let him know how angry you are with where we put your players. Yeah, especially about that Melvin Gordon take. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Krabs. Joe Marino signing off. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Eats Podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.